Well, friends, here we are again. It is great to be back with you today with the music building and the anticipation stirring for another fresh new episode of the In Focus podcast, taking a fresh look at the Bible, some big Christian ideas, and how they bring our world into focus and empower us to live a new, more eternal kind of life within it. As always, I'm your host, Justin Laughlin, husband, dad, pastor, adjunct professor, and most importantly, follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. Today, we are continuing through our series on living in Babylon through the eyes of Daniel 1 through 7. Last week, we talked through Daniel 1 to see what we might discover about God, about people, and about living faithfully in the intersection of religion, politics, history, and culture. Two big ideas were brought into focus from that chapter. The first was concession. Basically, we saw that there was a bunch of junk happening all around Daniel that he could do nothing about. So, the way forward for Daniel, the way of faithfulness, had to begin with a lot of concessions. Now, of course, God was 100% faithful in Daniel's life, but that didn't mean it was easy, predictable, or preferable. Like Jesus, there were times that Daniel seems to have been a bit like a lamb being led to slaughter, or at least a lamb living amidst the slaughterhouse of Babylon, and yet all of that somehow fit into the providence of God. Second, and even bigger, was the idea of distinction. So, while Daniel is confined to living in Babylon, his clear example was of a life in Babylon, but not of Babylon. And this, of course, is exactly what Jesus forecasted and prayed for all of us, his followers in John 17, that we would be in the world, but not of it, and that God would be with us as we all walk the often precarious and challenging line of being in the world, but not of it. What clearly emerges about this kind of life in Babylon from Daniel is a life of distinction. Uh, Daniel was restrained in ways that made him distinct. He was faithful to God in ways that made him distinct. He was favored by God in ways that made him distinct. He became a change agent in ways that made him distinct. And he was more excellent in the training and service of Babylon than even his Babylonian peers, also in ways that made him distinct. So, distinction and concession came out of the first chapter. Today, as we continue into Daniel's story in chapter 2, we will begin by talking through the passage and making some observations to try and be attentive as possible to what's going on and why. And then through the story, we'll latch on to a couple more big ideas that, with some discernment and by the grace of God, can continue empowering us as we navigate our own intersections of faith, politics, history, and culture. So, with that set up, let's dive into Daniel chapter 2. The occasion for chapter 2 is that King Nebuchadnezzar is being very troubled by his dreams, so much so, in fact, that he cannot sleep. And in hot pursuit of resolution to this troubling situation, King Nebuchadnezzar calls in his Babylonian magicians and enchanters to first divine the king's dream and then interpret it. 
And in verses 5 and 6, King Nebuchadnezzar paints a clear picture as to the urgency of the situation when he says this, the word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Uh, Now, to not only interpret, but to first divine the king's dream is, of course, no small challenge. So, the magicians and enchanters whose lives are now hanging in the balance immediately try to renegotiate the terms of the king's deal. That's impossible, king. How about you tell us the dream and then we'll interpret it for you. But this effort to renegotiate is to no avail. King Nebuchadnezzar won't budge, and he knows that if he first conveys the dream, the magicians and enchanters will just tell him what he wants to hear in their supposed interpretations. In the ensuing back and forth, as the wise men beg for more favorable terms with the king, verse 12 tells us that the king grew angry and very furious, and then commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So, word goes out for the king's command to be executed, that all the wise men are now to be killed. And this is where the story circles back around to Daniel and his friends. As part of the contingency of Babylonian wise men, soldiers go out to find and kill Daniel and his friends. And upon finding Daniel, verse 14 opens up our first big idea of chapter 2, when it says this, Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who was the man there to kill him. So, Daniel's prudence and discretion in the face of what had to be a very, very brutal uh, circumstance buys him a brief moment of time with the captain. The captain then explains the situation to Daniel a bit further, and instead of bemoaning the obvious injustice of the situation, instead of begging or attempting to renegotiate himself, instead of simply crying out for mercy, Daniel, having no idea what the dream was or what it might mean, requests an appointment with the king to grant the king his desire to divine the dream and then interpret it. Now, let's pause here for a moment to grasp one more important detail running through this scenario. It's actually God who is bringing all of this about. The dreams are from God. They are so relentless and so disturbing that God is forcing King Nebuchadnezzar into action. However, God doesn't work out all of the initial details. He triggers the situation, but then lets it play out according to its more natural circumstances, meaning he triggers a rash, violent, and prideful king but doesn't simultaneously inspire or guide the king into a godly or even a reasonable response. 
So on the front end, it's like God has basically lit the fuse of an explosive situation without putting any safety measures in place. And once the fuse was lit, boom. So as we are well into chapter two and sort of diving into this story, hopefully feeling it a little bit and our imaginations are fully awakened, what about us? In our own day and age, we do not yet have the advantage of hindsight, but we do find ourselves in the midst of an explosive situation. For most of us listening to this podcast, our lives are not literally in danger, thank God. But for most of us listening to this podcast, we do have Nebuchadnezzar-like people coming at us from all sides in our political context, in our cultural context, and in our religious context, which is often more shaped by American politics and cultural culture, excuse me, than it is biblical faithfulness or Christ-likeness. And in each of these intersecting contexts, there are people grasping at worldly power and influence. There are people scrambling to leverage their power and influence politically and culturally and religiously. And once we know to look for them, it's not hard to recognize them, much like King Nebuchadnezzar, because they're rash, they're angry, they're worldly, they're loud, and they are quite undiscerning. And then on top of all that, in addition to the power-grasping, power-wielding, would-be King Nebuchadnezzars all around us, we must also be on the lookout for the would-be Babylonian wise men, like those in verse 9, who are people that are corrupt, whether intentionally or not, people who are eager to tell us all sorts of lies, and people adept at manipulating our desires and biases for their personal gain. And in the midst of all this, Daniel's wisdom and faithfulness shine like an inspiring beacon of light in the darkest of nights. In this case, specifically his example of prudence and discretion. So, despite all that Daniel is facing and everything that's happening around him, Daniel doesn't panic, he doesn't rant, he doesn't negotiate, he doesn't manipulate, he doesn't lie. Instead, he's composed he's focused, he's thoughtful, he's tactful, and he responds to all the noise and the threats and the chaos with prudence and with discretion. By the grace of God and the wisdom of God, may we be such a people in our own times and contexts, not matching the shouting with more shouting, the manipulation with manipulation, the lies with lies, or the threats with threats, but facing our circumstances with composure and faithfulness. And may it be said of us, as it was said of Daniel, that we are a people of prudence and discretion because my, how our world needs such people in it right now. So, Having said that, let's continue on. Uh, While Daniel's prudence and discretion have bought him and his friends a little bit of time at this point, remember that they've only stayed their execution. 
So Daniel leaves from the captain's presence. He immediately heads home to inform his friends and to rally them to pray as if their lives depended on God answering. Because after all, they actually did. And of course, right on cue, but not a minute too early in verse 19, the mystery was revealed to Daniel. And this breakthrough immediately prompts Daniel to worship God and to seek out the captain of the guard to halt the killing of any, any more Babylonian wise men. Uh, Daniel is then taken before the king in haste, as we are told in verse 25. And before the king, Daniel first affirms the initial objection of the Babylonian wise men that what the king asked is not actually reasonable or possible, not at least when it's asked of wise men, magicians, enchanters, and astrologers. But, and here we pick up the story for a few verses, starting in chapter 2, verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. And then... Daniel continues on to recount both the details and the interpretation of the king's dream about a, the great empires that will set themselves against God and God's people and that will ultimately be brought down by God, at which time God will establish his eternal kingdom over them. The greatest of these empires, of course, was the gold empire of Babylon from King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So, the the passage concludes as follows, picking up again with chapter 2, verse 46 to the end of the chapter. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel remained at the king's court. So, from the second half of this chapter, we take away another big idea that actually emerged in the chap- in chapter one, and that will continue on through the series, and that is dependence. Daniel was completely and explicitly, in this case, in God's hands in this situation. Not only was he passively dependent on God, uh, meaning that there were circumstances he couldn't do anything about, he was also actively dependent on God, meaning that either God 
provided a breakthrough or Daniel's life was literally over. This type of dependence is not something most of us are used to in America and in the West. If we have the luxury of the time and technology to even be listening to this podcast, we are probably not faced with the raw active dependence on God that Daniel was experiencing in this chapter. Um, Now, when friends and loved ones do face such times, it is often really jarring for us as those times can come about through painful reminders that the world is still broken and desperately in need of its rightful king to return and take his place and to make all things right. But Daniel reminds us that God views such genuine and utter dependence on him much differently. Daniel reminds us that dependence on God is actually not a worst case scenario. He reminds us that there is always a larger story unfolding than what our immediate perception and feelings might lead us to believe. Uh, The moment that the captain of the guard arrived at Daniel's doorstep to announce his impending death, we're not actually told what Daniel thought or felt, but it's not hard to imagine everything that must have come rushing in right at that moment. Uh, The only thing we are told is how Daniel responded to all of the thoughts and the feelings that must have come upon him. And he did so with prudence and discretion. Now, taking one step back, we also know that God was at work revealing himself to the ruler of the most powerful and evil and corrupt and prideful and idolatrous empire in the world. And that, of course, was not immediately within Daniel's view as these events were unfolding. And with another much bigger step back, we see with the hindsight um, and the benefit of hindsight that God was revealing how history would continue unfolding from the one evil empire to the next until God would strike a fatal blow to them all that would ultimately lead to their demise and the establishment of God's eternal kingdom in their place. So, with all of this in view, and as we read this story thousands of years later, it's, of course, not hard to see that Daniel's immediate circumstances and feelings were actually part of something much larger. However, our immediate circumstances and feelings work out, learning from Daniel, we are part of the same story. It's still unfolding. Uh, The stone has struck the feet of all the evil empires um, coming with Jesus. Uh, We still, though, are waiting the ultimate establishment of that kingdom over all the earth. Uh, Daniel's long gone, of course. He persevered through Babylon, but Daniel is now waiting in God's presence for the return of the king and the renewal of all creation. And most likely, one way or another, we also will all be with Daniel relatively soon. We will all be standing alongside him in God's presence, Daniel and every other hero of the faith that we read about throughout the scriptures. 
and we will all together be anticipating our return alongside King Jesus when the time finally comes for the renewal of all things, not only in the heavens, but also across the earth. In the meantime, for all the days that God has given us on this side of that great curtain call, may God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit be sufficient in our lives as we follow Jesus prudently, discreetly, and in peaceful dependence upon God. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope that you are now as excited as I am to continue through Daniel to see what is in store for us. If you're streaming today's episode from your podcast provider like Apple, Google, or Spotify, it would be great if you'd take a second to give the show a quick rating or review, and if you haven't yet, even to become a subscriber. If you'd like, you can also share this episode with your friends on social media through either your podcast provider or by copying and pasting in the link that I've included in the show notes. If you'd like to hear about something specific from the Bible or a particular big Christian idea in the future, please email me using the address that's also included in the show notes. And until next time, as we continue this series on Daniel and living in Babylon, Thanks again for being a friend of the show and for tuning into In Focus. May your world continue coming into better focus, and may God lead you into an increasingly eternal kind of life before Him. 